Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, the first episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast that we've done in a long time now. I, I feel like it's been over a month, maybe like five weeks or whatever, but uh, we are back uh, after, uh, you know, kind of taking a little bit of a hiatus um, with, uh, you know, not not a whole lot happening, uh, you know, at this part of the summer. But uh, some things to talk about as we're inching closer to training camp, um, this of course, being the episode uh, of the Breakaway Bandits podcast, part of the Sports Insanity Network. Um, I'm Nathan Moser, joined as always by Noah Tremblay and Mike Rifkin. Guys, like I said, we took a little bit of a hiatus. How are your summers going? That was quite the intro, though, Moser. That was quite the intro. That was quite the intro. I got to give you that one. Um. Yeah, no, it's been going good. We're, I mean, we got what NFL's coming up soon, so we got that to look forward to. We've already got preseason started, and like you said, training camp for NHL is going to start soon. So it's exciting time. And Noah's enjoying this in a hundred and three degree heat today. A hundred nine. Oh. Get your facts right. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Be happy. I got triple digits in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he's thrilled about that. <laughs> I'm very thrilled about 109 today, and I have to go outside at one point today, which I'm not happy about. <laughs> Got to pull some James Bond-like moves just to get to the car. <laughs> no, because then you're gonna start sweating too much. <laughs> yeah, no, and then and then like try not to touch the steering wheel. That's like metal. Oh yeah, you can't you can't touch anything in your car because it's just gonna be too hot. Jeez, ah, it's it's Texas is great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shout um, out Texas. Shout out Texas. <laughs> yes, this episode is brought to you by Texas for some reason. Um, anyway, um, so to uh, to to start this episode off, um, we have to talk about um, one of I, I mean, I definitely one of the best defensive forwards in the game of the history of the game, if not the best. But that's a debate for another episode. Um, or maybe this one. Who knows? We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. But um, Patrice Bergeron uh, is retiring uh, after 19 seasons in the NHL for the Boston Bruins. He finishes his career with 1,294 games played, and in that span, he got 427 goals, 613 assists for 1,040 points. He is a Stanley Cup champion in 2011. Obviously, after Zidane Chara had left, he became the captain of the Boston Bruins for the, the latter part of his career. Um, internationally, he won two gold medals in uh, 2010 and 2014 for the Olympics. Um, he, he also has a lot of other international success as well with, with medals and everything as well. But obviously the, the Olympics, uh, he's winning two gold, pretty big deal in 2010 and 2014. Um, he is a six-time Selkie Trophy winner for best defensive forward. And he is a three-time NHL All-Star. And I mean, that's not even all of the accolades that I saw for him. I mean, these are just, you know, obviously the top ones. I mean, just goes to show you what an impact he made, not only just for the city of Boston, but just the whole league in general and the sport of hockey. Uh, so gentlemen, I, I guess, what are your thoughts on Patrice Bergeron and his outstanding career as he officially hangs up the skates? Whoever wants to go first. I think he also reached a thousand points this this, he did. Year, this past yeah, he, season. A thousand. He finished his career with a thousand forty. No, talk about a fitting ending. Um, in our lifetime, I think he's the best defensive forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I saw the trending on Twitter that they should rename the Selkie the Bergeron. I don't really have an issue for that. With that. The consummate pro, and we talk a lot about Crosby and Ovechkin and the superstars of today's game. Patrice Bergeron doesn't get mentioned in that that category, kind of like Andre Kopitar doesn't. And they're kind of similar in that stature of their captains as well on teams that have won a cup. And they kind of fly under the radar based on it. Bergeron in particular, because he he isn't Brad Marchand who, who's punking people. He's not Pasternak who scores 50. He's not eight feet tall like Zdeno Char was. 
But when it comes right down to it, you want Patrice Bergeron on your team. And I think that's that's the thing that I think you, you need to understand. The Boston Bruins don't do what they did last year. Not because Dave Pasternak scored 50. Not because Lionel Elmark won the Vezin. But because they knew Patrice Bergeron was coming back. Without Patrice Bergeron, that's a totally different team. And you're going to see that this year. Not in the sense of they're going to be bad, but his absence, unless filled, will be noticeable. Yeah, 100%. Um, like you said, Mike, I, I think he is the probably one of the best defensive forwards. He wasn't focused on scoring. He wasn't focused on um like setting up other guys like he obviously did that in his career he has over a thousand points but he was definitely more focused on taking um i'm gonna get under the skin of the best forward on the other team i am gonna make them uncomfortable and i'm gonna make that or allow that to open up opportunities for everybody else and he was like i said you know 17 16 year career he was one of the best at it. He and like you said, Mike, he is the heart and soul of the Boston Bruins for those seventeen years. You know, it was obviously Chara was the face, maybe, um, maybe Pasternak was more of the golden boy because he was the one that was scoring all the time. But Patrice Bergeron was the consummate pro there, and he was always like the heart and like I said, heart and soul of this organization. And like you said, his his absence will be missed. And they have to fill it at some point because if they want to repeat what they did last year, they need they need to fill this. Yeah. By and, the way, and, sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. But you know, I, I'm on hockey reference right now. If you take out two years of Patrice Bergeron's career, one year he scored eight goals in 64 games, one goal, one year he scored three goals in ten. He was double digits every other year. And that's including multiple 30-goal seasons. So right. while we may not say he's an offensive threat, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he still put up solid numbers. I mean, yeah, no, he, he, he was player. He, he was a very good two-way player. I just think it, it, it's – and you mentioned Kopitar as well. It's like because they played – you know the NHL is all about the offense. Like you know, it's like oh, we got to look at uh, we got to look at McDavid, we got to look at McKinnon, we got to look at Crosby, Ovechkin. You know all the Stamkos. You know all of these guys. And then I'm not saying that they're not good defensively, but because they don't, you know, some of these guys might not put as much emphasis on defense as a Bergeron or a Kopitar. You know, one thing that I had heard, um, and Eric Johnson said this when he uh, when he joined the Sabers in the offseason, he mentioned you know the idea that you know when it, when you when you start to play defense as a forward, you're give you are giving up some goals in that regard. If P Patrice Bergeron isn't playing as well defensively, I mean, maybe he gets like, I mean, did he ever hit? I don't know if he ever hit forty goals in his career. I know he had thirty multiple times, as you mentioned. His but career high was thirty-two. Does he hit forty if he's not as playing as much of a defensive role? But he was well, so damn good at defense. It's like what you don't want to change any of his game. And the thing is, is that he didn't. He never had to be that guy for them, because there was always somebody else. Pasternak, Phil Kessel was there at certain, you know, for a brief amount of time with Boston. You know, Tyler Sagan, Sagan, Marshawn, obviously being there as long as he's been there for them. Pasternak, as we said, you know, it's that there's. There were always other guys that could fill that role as the goal scorer. He was the shutdown defensive center that he was the shutdown defensive center that a lot of people talked about. And as you mentioned, so much so that they want to name the award after him, you know, the Selkie. So, I mean, that just that just goes to show you just how impressive he was in his career again might not have as much of the flashes like a Crosby or a McDavid, but that still doesn't matter because defensive forwards still have their place in the game. Bergeron, Kopitar, you know, it's in, um, and like I said, they still had their offensive flair as well. So, 
Listen, I'm going to put Crosby to the side, but think of three three captains who, who, who we can mention here. We've mentioned Kopitar. The same ill can go to Jonathan Taze as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the three of them got to play at the same time. All three captains, all three in major markets, and they did whatever it took for their teams to be some of the most successful teams over this period of time. For sure. Yeah. Um, one thing that – that uh, well, first of all, let me say that on behalf of everybody at the Breakaway Bandits podcast, uh, congratulations, Bruce, on, on a fantastic career. Like I said, I was able to win the cup, was captain towards the end of his career. We, we already went through all of his accomplishments for the most part. Um, he will be missed in Boston and just throughout the league is just, you know, and that's the thing too, is I always heard is just what a nice guy he was too, as well. He was never, you know, it always seemed like he was the consummate pro from what I understand. So, you know, a good leader for, you know, future generations in the league. And, um, like I know, for example, uh, there was someone had done a story because, um, I think it was the Buffalo News. They did a story about Thompson talking with Bergeron. And I like I found this out that I guess uh, Tage Thompson's dad you played for Providence during the lockout. I think it was the lockout in 0405. And Tage's dad played with Bergeron on the Providence Bruins in the AHL. So Bergeron was down there. So they got to know each other very well. And I guess Tage played uh, – Tage played like street hockey with Bergeron quite a few times and stuff like that. So, you know, a role model for him and a role model for so many people that, you know, we're playing the game are playing the game today. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's, I think a lot of defensive forward play can be credited to just what he did and his impact with the Bruins. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, on that note, um, Again, congratulations to Bergeron. One other point that I want I, I want to ask about the Bruins because we mentioned about the center depth, and I know that a lot. Like right now, I, I think pa- Pavel Zach is their number one penciled in center at this point in time as this podcast is being recorded. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on Krejci? I like. There's been no official announcement that he is retired yet, but I mean, I think we all kind of expect that that's eventually going to be coming. That Krejci, you know, at least, I mean, maybe he goes back to the Czech league for a year or something, but you know, that is that his days with uh, the Bruins and the NHL are kind of done now. And even if he goes back to Boston, it's a one year deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, of so, course. So, you know, I'm not expecting multi-year deals anymore with him. Right. So even if you're going to rely upon David Krejci and I'm not going to try to be mean. David Krejci is a heck of a player and that that's. Another He's not going to fill Bruce Ryan's role. But. Right. So I, I I think the Bruins need to make a deal and they need to get themselves a top line center here because right now their depth isn't good enough because no. arguments say can you don't want this to happen, but if Pavel Zaka or Charlie Coyle go down at any point, what are you gonna do? Yeah, they're just kind of out of luck. And that's if one of them gets hurt, you know? I mean, that's right. Like, you so, don't be one injury away from, like, no depth. Right. So you have to find where you're pretty good and try to make a sweet deal. And, I mean, we've mentioned the team a lot on this podcast. I love this team, but they're clearly breaking it up. I think you got to call Winnipeg on Mark Shifley. And you just got to see what the price is. If they have to get a third team involved because of cap restrictions, I I know he's a year away from free agency, but I I think this team is still good. They're not going to be what they were last year, but they're still a threat in the Eastern Conference to Boston Bruins. You get Mark Shifley. To play on the top two line, I, I'm okay with it. Because I think they missed their opportunity. Because I thought the guy they should have gotten, and it would have been a homecoming for him, was Kevin Hayes. If you could have gotten Kevin Hayes in Boston, I, I think that would have rejuvenated him a little bit. And I think it would have helped this team a little bit. 
having a, a hometown guy there. Right. Um, Shifley's a shout. I, yeah, I don't know. They, they have to do something because I think this team's built to win. I don't like, I don't know if you, you've got all Mark who just won the Vesna. We have to see if that's, you know, the truth. And he, if he's going to rebound or rebound from his playoff performance, if he get once, once he gets healthy, um, you still got Pasternak. You still got a lot of other pieces on this team. I guess there is an interesting decision, though. It's like, Mike, you said, you know, get a center and try to go for it. Do you go the opposite way and just say, all right, we're going to – we're just going to re- like re- not rebuild, but we're going to retool this. We're going to take a couple years off from trying to compete for a cup and see if we can build a better team. The problem with that is they've got too many good players right. under contract long term because if that was the plan, Noah – then I wouldn't have signed Pasternak to his contract. That that's a good point. You know, so here here, so so I I went on Cap Friendly uh, just during this conversation to look up both things because obviously you mentioned about the idea of getting the third team involved, and they would kind of have to do that. But even if you got a third team involved, I mean, you they'd have to really work this out because looking right now, first of all, Cap Friendly. Uh, Shifley's contract right now, um, obviously, as we said, um, uh, you know, I I think this is the last year. As, as He's we a free said. agent after this year. He's a free agent. So his contract right now, as it stands right now, his his um, his cap hit right now, according to Cap Friendly, is six million dollars. It's like six point one two five million dollars. So that's a lot. And the and I you know I went to the Bruins cap friendly page. They have under four hundred and fifty thousand dollars left. <laughs> All right, Nate, you're on cap friendly. Yes. Go go to the Bruins defense and tell me the cap hit on Brandon Carlo. It's uh, four point one million dollars. Okay, so if I move argument's sake, and, and this is just hypothetical because I think Winnipeg needs help on the blue line. I think that's yeah. their massive need. I think the forwards are good enough. If I can center a deal where it's Brandon Carlo and argument's sake, another guy making maybe 3 million bucks to get Shifley to Boston. I think the Bruins can actually handle that. Well, and, and uh, in both, uh, so if we're, if we're uh, talking about like a Shifley Carlo deal, in both instances, you have to, both uh, guys have um, no trade clauses. So, well, and Shifley would waive his because I don't think he, he wants to remain in Winnipeg, especially with what's gone on there between the Blake I'm not, Mueller I'm buyout. Not... Yeah, I'm not so much worried about Shifley wanting to leave. I'm more worried about Carlo want waving to go to Winnipeg. I don't know if Carlo's going to be totally on board going to the Jets. But uh, looking at uh, just looking at both uh, of the uh, modified no trades. Uh, so for Shifley's the clause details here. So it's a modified no trade clause, uh, basically starting in uh, 2020, 2021. So obviously it's it's already kicked in. Um, he can submit a list of 10 teams he cannot be traded to. So that's for Shifley. For Carlo's uh, team, um, for basically, yeah, so clause details. So for 2023-24 so, and 2024-25, so, so basically it's a 10-team no trade list. So it's the same thing at this point. And then, and then I'm not even going to get into the other years because we're talking about now. Uh, so with both teams, it's a 10 team, no trade list. So I'm not worried about whether Shifley would want to go to Boston. I'm more worried about getting Carlo to want to go to Winnipeg. Not that he won't. Again, if you get the third team involved, he could go to the third team. It doesn't. That's also true. Yeah. So it's not, it's not as much of a, you know, it doesn't look as dire of, of a situation as it, as it uh, needs to be, but um, for sure they're going to have work that they need to do. I just, 
they're going to have to do it soon. I mean, you know, I, cause we're, we're coming up here and right now, as it stands right now, their top two centers are Zaka and Coyle, which they're good, mm-hmm. but they're not. And let's be, and let's be very honest. Whoever, even if they do make a deal, they're most likely still not replacing Bergeron. Like Bergeron is almost unreplaceable just because of the impact that he had on that city, on that team, in that locker room. So, I, I don't think you're trying to replace him. I think you're, you're just, just trying, trying to, to get someone to fill the void. Fill the void. Fill a little bit of the void. Yeah. So I definitely think I'm definitely curious to see when Shifley finally gets a change of scenery. We'll just have to see whether if that happens this year. You know, I mean, who knows that it could. It wouldn't surprise me if Shifley doesn't get moved till the trade deadline. So, but we'll have to see. We'll, we will see for sure. Um, all right, moving on to uh, a trade that has actually happened. Um, uh, many people were speculating about what would happen with defenseman Eric Carlson, recent Norris Trophy-winning defenseman, I should add. Um, after much speculation as to where Carlson would go, the answer that we finally all received is the Pittsburgh Penguins. So the Penguins complete a three-team trade with the San Jose Sharks and the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I have the graphic in front of me right now. So kind of a lot to sort through here. Uh, the Pittsburgh receives Eric Carlson, Rem Pitlick. So, okay, so Eric Carlson they get from the Sharks. Rem Pitlick they get from Montreal. Dylan, I apologize if I butcher any of these names. Dylan Hamluk via San Jose is a forward. And a 2026 third-round draft pick uh, via San Jose. The Sharks receive a 2024 first-round draft pick. They're getting that from Pittsburgh. Michael Granlund, who they got from Pittsburgh as well. Yan Rutta via Pittsburgh. And Mike Hoffman via Montreal. So Mike Hoffman actually goes, uh, this will be his uh, sort of second stint to San Jose. Obviously did not play a game for them that first time around. But now he'll be back with the Sharks organization. And now heading lastly to Montreal. uh, Via Pittsburgh, Montreal receives a 2025 second-round draft pick. Um, They get Jeff Petrie back. So this will be his second stint with Montreal. They get him back via Pittsburgh. Uh, goaltender Casey DeSmith they get via Pittsburgh, and also from Pittsburgh Nathan Laguerre who is a forward. So obviously a lot, just a lot to sort out. Carlson obviously being the face of this entire trade, um, and I'm curious to see what you both think. Obviously Noah, your team was involved in this. Is the third team trade here uh, with Montreal? <laughs> Uh, Rifkin, I know we have, we've already kind of talked about this conversation about who we think made out well in this trade. So I'll ask you guys, and obviously it's early cause the season hasn't even started yet. Thoughts on the trade who won? Oh, I think it's a hundred percent the penguins. I mean, all like you get Eric Carlson, who we like, obviously is still at the top of his game. Cause like you said, Nate, he just won the Norris trophy for best defense in the league, <clears throat> the San Jose Sharks retain 13% of his salary. So that's good for that. For P- Pittsburgh, you get Ham, Hamiluk and uh, Rem Pitlick, who could be good prospects for you. You still get a third round pick out of it. And all you gave up was Petrie DeSmith, a second round pick, and a first round pick uh, in 2024. And then obviously in the 2025. I, I just think the pens made out like bandits on this because you get you revitalize this team with Eric Carlson in my opinion you you still got Crosby you still got Malkin you know you still got Jari like you still like you still got so much I think left in the tank for this team and now you add a Norris winning defenseman to it who's still and you hope you hope Latang comes back healthy Latang could come back healthy. If Latang comes back healthy, like this team is revitalized with this trade. And, you know, we talked about Jari and he had some of his struggles last year. Well, like we just said, you now add a Norris winning defenseman to help him out, help this team out. I I think the Pens made out like bandits in this trade. I, I think they 100% won this trade. Uh, and I think the Sharks got robbed. I think the Penguins won as well. It's at times you say the team who gets the best player won the deal, and and that's not a surprise. 
But look at what they gave up. Just uh, all I need to see is San Jose got essentially a first round pick out of this. You you could name off Mike Hoffman, Mikhail Granlin, Jan Root. Who, who knows if those guys are there long-term? And the Sharks are going to have to nail those trades as well as long as this rebuild coincide, goes. The prob, the, the one, the two things I have on the Penguins, Eric Carlson is 33, which kind of fits the mold of this core. It's an older core. And he, fought, he played 82 games last year, so... But in years prior, he has had issues staying healthy. Not that we want to see him get hurt. We don't. He's a great player. But no, you said the key name. If Tristan Jari isn't good, that's the Penguins' biggest issue right now. Mm -hmm. Because defensively, Kyle Dubas has hit a home run his first offseason in Pittsburgh. Oh, 100%. This trade... Uh, bringing in a Ryan Graves to help out defensively too. That'll help Carlson or, or Latang, whoever he's going to play with for sure. The Penguins win this deal. Montreal comes out of this looking pretty good themselves. Casey oh, Smith yeah. is a young goaltender. He'll get an opportunity to get a couple of other things. I'm not sure if Mike Greer was asked this question after the trade. But I would want to know if he was comfortable with Eric Carlson being in a Sharks uniform during training camp. Or if he had felt Carlson would have caused a seat. Mm. Because to me, I'm not saying you can hold out for more. But I'm saying there wasn't a better deal in place outside of three guys who, who – aren't going to be a part of the next great Sharks team and a first-round pick, which is what you got. You got Hoffman, Ruda, Granlin. They're not going to be a part of the next great Sharks team. And that first-round pick next year, that's going to be a mid-to-late first-round pick because the Penguins aren't going to stink. I, I think they've already elevated themselves this offseason to a playoff team. Oh, 100%. You know, so, and by the way, they're a playoff team last year if they don't lose to Chicago at home. Mm hmm. So, here's sort of the reason why I mentioned, and, and, and I, I agree as well that I, I mean, obviously, right now the Penguins win that deal. I mean, they, they win it because they got the best player. But the, but the thing is, is that, Mike, I remember talking to you after the trade had happened. And you had mentioned, uh, and, and that's why I kind of, I mean, I know that, like I said, I know that Pittsburgh won the deal because of Carlson and everything like that. That was the whole point of this. But I, you had mentioned about how you thought Montreal had done pretty well. And so I'm glad you, you did mention that as well. But that was kind of why I also wanted to, you know, point that aspect of it out because I remember you mentioning that as well. And that was something that, not that I didn't like think about it, but obviously when you think about that trade, it's oh Carlson and he's going to where he's going and uh, the offseason they've had and the guys that they've kept that were core guys. But Montreal, you can't forget about this either, just because they they made out pretty solidly as well. I guess I I'll, I'll ask you this and um, you know no if obviously being the Habs fan in the group, if you have anything else you want to add as well, oh, about I mean Montreal as well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I do believe the Pens won the trade, but I do think Montreal made out very, very well in this trade. I I, I read someone's report that was like grading the trades, uh, the grading the trade overall for each team, and they gave like the Sharks like a C plus, they gave Pittsburgh an A, and they gave Montreal an A minus, and I totally agree with that. I think Montreal made out very well in this trade. Um, really, the only things Montreal gave up were Mike Hoffman, who wasn't working in Montreal, Montreal. Last two years, he's just been kind of average, and we paid him a lot more. We paid him more to – we paid him to be more than that. So you get rid of Mike Hoffman and you get rid of Rem Pickley. That's all you gave up. And out of those two guys, again, both of them who aren't working in Montreal, you get a second-round pick in two years from it. You get Casey DeSmith, who's a good young goaltender. It's going to be pretty much him and Caden Primo to see who is the, the third goalie behind – uh, Carey Price, 
possibly coming back and Jake Allen. Um, yeah, him, Kane Primo, and Sam Montembeau. It's basically going to be a three-guy race between those three. But then, obviously, you can then use him as trade leverage on the trade deadline coming up. Uh, you uh, And then you get Jeff Petrie back. I mean, again, I don't think Petrie's going to be there long. I think he could be traded probably before the season starts because he just doesn't fit what Montreal's going for. Montreal is going young. I mean, that's obvious by with like the new hook trade with the um, Kirby Doc trade uh, last year. Like they're going young. They want to really put a young core together and let everybody grow up together and really have this team clicking within. I, I think by this year, uh, this team could be clicking because Caulfield's going to be back. He was producing incredibly. Uh, so, again, I don't think Petrie's part of that, but, you know, that's more that's more trade leverage now. If you put him into Smith in a trade, oh, we could trade him to get this just say young uh defenseman that we could pair up with Zegsai and um and that that defensive core, we can trade that to whoever to to pair them up now. Um so yeah, I definitely think the Habs were like the secret not secret, but the sneaky like they made out pretty well too. Like I said, you give up Pitlick and Hoffman. That's all you gave up. And you get a second round pick to Smith and Petrie, who you could who if you don't want them as part of your future, you use this trade trade uh leverage now. And Jeff Petrie's a guy who's familiar with Montreal. So even if you can't trade him right away, there are guys in that locker room who probably know Jeff Petrie mm-hmm. because they've played with him. They'd welcome him back. So there's that aspect too. So it doesn't hurt to have a veteran like Jeff Petrie. If the right deal comes along for him, Jeff Gorton and company can make that deal. Right. You get the second round pick in two years. And, and that's that's good. You want to build through the draft. DeSmith, you talked about organizational depth. But I look at it from this perspective too. The What you said, you gave up Rem Pitlick, who was – Fourth line forward, third line forward. He wasn't even playing. Right. So you give a guy who's not playing and a guy in Mike Hoffman who, okay, you, you know, goal score. That's what Mike Hoffman is. He is a pure goal score. But if he's not going to contribute to this team right away, you're trying to get, as you said, younger. So Montreal makes out really well as the third team in. And that's why it always pays to be this third team in. Because you're going to wind up with at least a good draft pick in the next couple of years. You might wind up taking on one contract, but you will get reimbursed for it with the draft pick. So just just to just to quickly go over something quickly, Mike. We're the Montreal Canadiens were paying Mike Hoffman 4.5 million a year. Like you mm-hmm. said, to be a goal scorer. He scored 15 and 14 goals in his time with Montreal in two seasons. Right. You got to you got to be more than that, right? If you're getting paid, you you need more. But the other part is, I think Montreal's realized, hey, we have the cap space mm-hmm. to do it. We got to get to the cap floor, so we may have had to overpay for him. But they had this in mind, right? We can always ship him out to wherever we want, based on a good deal for us. They felt this was the right deal, and, and to be fair. That they're pro for me, they finished second in this deal behind Pittsburgh, and then San Jose finishes third. Yep. Yeah, and um, like I said, I, I I'm guessing that Pete, like as, as was mentioned, Petrie's probably going to get moved before uh, the season even starts and everything like that. And and I guess I'll 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 ask you guys this because you you kind of alluded to it that they they. they you know, they had almost made the playoffs last year and kept that streak going. And um, I guess, I, you know, like they said, the streak was broken that they had made the playoffs for a long time. And uh, when they just missed last year towards the end of the year, I'll ask you guys this because they certainly became a playoff caliber, you know, quality type team again. Uh, they basically still were. And now they're adding Eric Carlson to the fold. Can the Penguins make the make the play? Yeah. Can the Penguins make it back to the playoffs with Eric Carlson and the rest of the club? Do we want to make a prediction that they do? Yes. 
right now they're really want to wait a little bit before making the prediction. No, right, right now, if you're asking me okay, today, well, are they one of the eight best teams of the Eastern Conference? I would say yes. Yeah, Who are you not now? I would hundred percent yeah say they're one of the best because, like, if we want to look uh, at the let's you know quickly look at the Eastern Conference, um, we got here. So obviously, I don't think they're better than Carolina. <sighs> New Jersey, we have to see because that was such a out of the blue, like this team's just great. We have to see if they repeat that. I don't think they're better than the Rangers. Boston's interesting because Boston loses a big man, a big player in Patrice Bergeron, and Pittsburgh gains a huge player in Eric Carlson. So I almost might make the argument that they could be on par with Boston. That would be my argument. So then another team from the Atlantic would sneak in. Yes. So um because I think I think they're better than the Islanders. I think I don't think they're better than I think they might be better than Tampa Bay. We have to see what happens with Tampa Bay this year. Um they've kind of looked like they've been slowly on the decline a little bit. Um I'm curious what happens with the Florida Panthers because you that's know that's the last team I'm like Mm, maybe. Well, 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 so they win the President's Trophy two seasons ago as as the number one team, and then and then all of a sudden last year it's like, oh man, they just made they just made the playoffs, and then they go to the Cup final. It's like, you know, they got hot at the right time to an extent. Obviously, they didn't win the Cup, but uh, you know, so it's just it's all about timing in that regard. But you know, I'm also just kind of curious, just what was more legitimate. The two years ago or last year, what are we? I don't. They're such an X factor team. Like, yeah, I think it was more of the last year. You saw what they were is that they can just get hot at the right time, and it all leans on Sergey Bobrovsky. If Bobrovsky plays at the Vesna level, we think he is. That team can beat anybody. They can beat anybody. And then Matthew Kachuk. I mean, Matthew Kachuk put the freaking team on his back in those playoffs. So, but just to go back to Pittsburgh. I look at the playoffs from the Eastern Conference and I go, I can see them being at or above three of the teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. So I definitely think they're a playoff team. I look at the two wild cards and you, you guys mentioned Florida and Nate, you said they're an X factor. No, you said Bobrovsky. They, they're the ultimate X factor with the ultimate X factor goaltender because yep, you don't yeah. know what Bobrovsky's going to give you day in, day out. I look at the Islanders, and the part of me wonders what Bo Horvat looks like in a full year with the Islanders, but I still look at them and I go, they are a pure goal scorer. They need a guy who could be a pure goal scorer. A guy, argument's sake, I'm just saying this because Barry Trotz took over in Nashville. A guy like Philip Forsberg would have been a perfect mm. Islander at one point because he knows how to put the puck in the net. I think that's the one thing the Islanders lack because we know one thing. Ilya Sorokin is really, really good. So those two teams, the two wild cards, are in danger because just to span this out to the whole East for a second, Pittsburgh got better. Detroit got better with the Brinkett deal. I'll show you this to make Nate happy. We think the Sabres got better. Through a lot of gr youth growing and stuff, yeah. And, and the and the Ottawa Senators aren't half bad. So the the what we thought would be the bottom half of the Eastern Conference has slowly risen. <laughs> it, it really is going to be a slugfest. That's what I'm coming out of this is that it's really going to be just a like a – fight this entire season in the east mm -hmm. for sure it, it it's gonna come down i mean like i said last year it came down to the very much very much came down to the wire i think two years ago it, it, it was everyone kind of knew early what the teams were gonna look like in the matchups i think last this this upcoming season is gonna be it's gonna be who knows it's gonna be tight and by the way, we didn't even mention the Columbus Blue Jackets added Mike Babcock. Mm -hmm. So there's that as well. Washington's still there. They saw Washington's still in this conference. <laughs> the one thing I'll say about Washington, and I'm not trying to be mean, 
I know they have a new coach. That's an old team. Yeah. Them in yeah. Pittsburgh. And listen, I mean, Pittsburgh gets Carlson. They're both older teams. So they, they really are on fumes, both of them. Well, and, and, and the, I mean, the thing is, is, is at the end of the day, Crosby's not interested in doing a rebuild. Because basically what you're saying is that you're you're never winning another cup, essentially. No, you, you're going to try to win another cup as long as you have Crosby, Malkin, and um, uh, Latang. And so, Washington, the same thing with Ovechkin and Baxter. Right. But, you know, so. but quick soliloquy here on Washington. I know they signed Tom Wilson to a seven-year extension. Yeah. You don't give a 30-year-old a 7-year extension. I'm sorry. Hmm. Well, all that all they basically did was guarantee that he well, I guess kind of guarantee he'll be a cap for life. Which I don't know if that was ever really I don't know if I could ever really see him leaving DC, so but yeah, especially when half the league's fan bases hate you. Yeah, pretty well. Yeah, I know, but it's one of those things where, like, if it, okay, if somehow Wilson went to the went to, went to the Rangers, would you hate that? You would no, be relieved because he's the kind of guy you hate him if he's not on your team. You'd be yeah, no, you'd be relieved that he's that there's no chance he attacks any of your other guys. Yeah, so you're like he's not going to throw Panarin off of his back again and have uh, James Dolan write a letter to the league. Oh, I remember that. Oh, geez. That was a couple of years ago. Time really does fly. Um, any final thoughts here on uh, the Eric Carlson trade for any team? Listen, San Jose, the next guy up has to be Logan Gutscher. Mm-hmm. That's next up in my They're, they're very much. I, I If it wasn't obvious, I, I, I think that they're going to basically be trying to get that first overall. Actually, no, did they trade? They didn't trade their pick, right? Did they trade their pick? No, they traded second. Uh, no, they got Pittsburgh's first. Oh, that's okay. That's the that's the first that I saw. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. They they wouldn't have traded their own first. Um, yeah, I I think they um, I, I think they're they're a very possible uh, runaway candidate. Uh, obviously, got to win the lottery, but uh, you know, a top a, they'll probably get a top three pick next year. Um, wouldn't surprise me if uh, the the guy who I hear is supposed to be the number one overall pick, uh, this guy Celebrini. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe somehow he ended, he found his way to San Jose uh, as they start their rebuild. All righty, uh, moving along now, we're going to talk about the Arizona Coyotes. So Arizona Coyotes owner Alex Morello put together a letter of intent to buy land out in Northwest Mesa to possibly build the next arena for the team there. It sounds like there could be other sites as well for land for land purchases, so they might not be the only letter of intent that they do that we hear about. But the first one is uh, for some property out in Northwest Mesa. So, guys, um, obviously the, there was the whole thing that hap- happened with Tempe and relocation talk, as it always has been popping up, I mean, for the last 10-plus years with Arizona. Um, the different ownerships and the different issues that the franchise has had since it's been in Arizona. Do we think that the Mesa property, or I mean, I guess any of these properties, but do we think the Mesa property will be the answer to keep the Coyotes in Arizona? Do you think that they'll finally have an answer to keep the team in the state, or do you think we will eventually see them relocate? I hope they stay. I I, I do hope they stay because I am tired. I really am tired of relocation talks when it comes to the Coyotes. It's either, and I get Gary Bettman has been upfront about it. He says we want to keep them there, this that. But if if you don't have an arena, you can't play. So the Tampa plan went to went nowhere. You better hope this one works. Otherwise, this might be a last ditch effort. And wherever they go next would be an issue. But for the people of Arizona, because I got to give that fan base some credit, they went to their go. They went to the Mullet Arena, man, for Arizona State when they played. And that's, let's be honest, that wasn't a great team last year. That hasn't been a great team in years, but they still show out and they show up for their team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Um, I'm I'm in the same camp as Mike. I want the talks. I want the rumblings. I want the rumors to be over with. Um, either move or don't. Like find a home in Arizona and keep the Coyotes around, or get out of there for once and for all. I hope this is the answer that we're looking for, and I hope we can put these talks to rest for a good few year, a good bunch of years. Um, yeah, I'm just like I said, I'm just so sick of this. Are you moving? Are you not? It's like it's like the like the person that constantly keeps talking about, oh, I hate my my house or I hate this. I hate that. like, well, then are you gonna move? Or are you gonna fix it? Like, what is going on? Yeah, and and I mean, there's uh, all the different locations that get talked about. I mean, because then you have the certain group of of people who want Quebec to have a team again, because they lost the Nordiques in the '90s, and then it's just like, well, Winnipeg got their team back after losing it in the '90s as well. Where's our other team? You know, so there there's the just we got to get some form of a team in Quebec group of people. And I mean, there's all, there's other, there's been other talks as well. I mean, Salt Lake city was mentioned as a place to maybe try to put a hockey team. I know Kansas city has been mentioned as well because they had the scouts for two seasons, but that team was run so horribly from the beginning that they only lasted two years in Kansas city. Um, Bring back the thrashers. Well, Atlanta has been time, man, the amount of times that if, I mean, that would be Atlanta's third attempt at keeping a hockey team in Atlanta. You know, that's the, uh, because the thing was, is that the, you know, I mean, keep in mind the thrashers were their second experiment in the area. They lost the flames, you know, to Calgary and then they lose the thrashers to Winnipeg. So, you know, it's, very interesting of somehow they managed Atlanta manages to somehow get a third team, but you know, cause I've seen even, even not even talking about the coyotes uh, being moved. There's talk about, you know, there's already been talking about NHL expansion further. And it's like, I have yet to see any league in of the four major ones move past 32. The That's NFL. Is 32. Oh, that day is going to come. I mean, I know NFL has been, thinking about doing expansion i mean they were even talking about doing london expansion or canadian expansion which yeah a lot to work out for that if you're going to try to attempt to do something like that but um but i but i digress with uh with the other sport talk but um yeah i i i want to say like like i know like i personally know um coyote like coyote fans they're they're uh, family friends um they moved out there a while ago and like they had, they had kids growing up that were coyotes fans. And I think at one point their one of their kids had like season tickets and stuff like that. So, I mean, they do have a really good fan base. Um, you know, obviously it, there's just been a lot of, uh, you know, they, I know they like, they get crap from certain people and it's not, you know, it's just like, ju- just trying to put yourself in their shoes where you're rooting for sports teams and you don't know that what their future is going to hold. And it's, Oh, here we go. It's year seven of, is our team going to stay or are they going to go? And it's just like, it takes a toll on your fandom. Like, here's the thing. You know, the, the only thing that we've had to worry about with our with our hockey teams, and I mean, I, I'll even, I mean, I know there was a, there was talk the Bills might move a few years ago, but for the most part, I mean, it's like, we haven't that's not something we've had to worry about the thing that we've complained about is oh geez we didn't win insert sports championship here or oh geez we lost we made that we missed the playoffs or something like that you know that's fine that can eventually be fixed but we've never had oh geez we might lose our like hockey team like our hockey team might leave or our football team might leave we've never had to worry about that kind of thing and you know, that's that's about as real as it gets when it comes to sports stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because there's always next season if you miss the playoffs. But there was no next season for the Atlanta Thrashers. There was no next season for the Quebec Nordiques. Obviously, these are different circumstances. Um, there's no next season right now as it stands for the Hartford Whalers. I don't even know Hartford's trying to get another team back. Um, you know, and... I'd like there to be many more seasons to come for the Coyotes and their fans. And I'm hoping that maybe that this is finally the light at the end of the tunnel because it's been just a mess. 
for as long as I can have I've been following hockey. By the way, the Coyotes have had a really nice off season. Yeah, they have. They have. Um, you know, and I, I, I that's actually a really good transition because, um, you know, we'll do a little bit of a news and notes kind of to, to wrap everything up here. Um, and we'll start with the Coyotes in that regard. Um, obviously, more more uh, talk. If, if there's more talk about the arena situation and the Coyotes in general, um, we will discuss that on here uh, going forward. We'll see what happens uh, in the news as we go as the hockey season creeps closer. But one more thing, an on-ice uh, addition for the Coyotes that we want to talk about. Defenseman Matt Dumba, who has spent his entire career with the Minnesota Wild up to this point, um, he signs a one-year contract with the Coyotes. Um, thoughts on on the – Mike, I'll start with you because you you, had, you alluded to they actually had a pretty good offseason, you know, addition-wise and everything like that for the team. And uh, now they get a pretty uh, pretty significant piece on the blue line with Dumba. Very significant piece because, remember, they traded Jacob Chikrin to Ottawa last, at, uh, last year. So now you add Dumba to this blue line. You added Sean Dursey from the LA Kings to this blue line. All of a sudden, you got a competent blue line. Goaltender in, I'm going to butcher it, Valemka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. However you pronounce it. He was really good at points last year. And let's be real honest, they have talented forwards. Clayton Keller's really talented. Um, Matteo Michelli, I believe is his name. He's played really well. He got a three-year extension. Oh, by the way, they just signed Logan Cooley, their first-round pick from last year, to his entry-level deal. This team's got talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, and they're, they're not going to be the pushover we thought they were. Would yeah, be. they're not going to. They're going to be a tough win. Like they're going to be a tough win. A team you're going to have to play tough every time you do. Yeah, and and I mean, you know, like looking at the like I said, the the free agents that they added. Nick Bugstad came back. Um, this will be his second stint with the team. Um, Looking over here, uh, they signed Travis Dermott, so that's like a, a nice depth uh, addition on the blue Jason line. Jason Zucker. Zucker. Um, Troy Stetcher. Um, looking here to see if I missed. Kerf- Alexander Kerfoot. Kerfoot. Kerfoot, yep. So, so you know, they, they, their on-ice product is, isn't, isn't a half bad. And by the way, they signed all these guys to short-term deals. So if they are not good or they're not in the playoff race, they can pull what Noah said about Montreal earlier. You trade those guys at the deadline and you accumulate more assets. Right. And 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 here's the thing too, is if is if if there's some guys who produce well and you want to keep them around, re-sign them. Oh, Dumba's actually uh doing better than he ever did in Minnesota. Lock him up. He likes it here. Here's a piece of the few here's a piece. Yeah, Zucker. 31 years old, wants to retire in Arizona. Fantastic. Sign him to a long-term uh, deal. You know, not too they, long-term, but because he's 31. But No, they, yeah. they, they love the Grand Canyon and cactuses. Hmm. Yeah, so, so and, and we'll see. We'll see what, uh, what the team looks like, uh, you know, on the ice. But like I said, as you alluded to, and I agree, pretty solid offseason for them. But – all righty, and uh, we'll wrap this up with this last piece of news and notes. Goalie Martin Jones signs a one-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs obviously um, had to go to arbitration with their um, with Ilya Samsonov. They got that all hammered out with the uh, with the arbitrator, so he re-signs with the team. But they also get Martin Jones on a one-year contract as well. So Martin Jones is added to the fold for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Didn't actually do that badly last year for Seattle, which is interesting. I know, um, you know, Martin Jones has been questionable. We've talked about, you know, his questionable play in net in the past when he's been on other clubs. Obviously, most people know him for his, you know, his good start in the beginning of his career with LA, as well as the time that he spent with the San Jose Sharks. Um, so, 
guys, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll ask you just to wrap this thing up. Um, thoughts on Jones, you know, going to Toronto. I mean, he'll be the backup to Samsonov, but they got to yeah. figure out the cap situation. Well, Matt Murray's going to go LTIR. Yeah. Um, that, still that, that, how much does that fix the problem, though? I think that's around – I think that's between 4 and $6 million. Let me check. Um, but it also puts Joseph Wall, who's played at times for them, down with the Marlies. So, again, organizational depth add. But, Nate, we, we've talked about the cap situation with the Leafs before. Uh, you, you guys know where I stand on it. But the problem is they're stubborn. And this is their let, – let's be real honest here. And Toronto – I apologize for absolutely nothing for what I'm about to say. This is your last dance with this team because you have been too stubborn to want to retool this thing. So, uh, so Matt Murray with LTIR, uh, 4.68 million. Okay, so I was right between four and six, so, but yeah. 4.6. They're going to have to make probably one other move. Have to wait and see on it, but let, let's be honest. If the Leafs, if th- this is no longer about winning a round in the playoffs. Yeah, you have to win the cup. And Nate, you're right. Martin Jones had a really good year last year for the Kraken, but you know who started in the playoffs? Philip Grubauer. Right. Yeah. So while Martin Jones could be a good backup for Samsonov. And I don't dislike Samsonov. He still has to prove himself, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because remember last year, Samsonov and Murray were both brought in to split the job. Then Matt Murray got hurt. And Samsonov did played really well in the playoffs. I'm not going to sit here and say no. So, no, he didn't. Now he needs to stand on his head for this team. But this team as a whole, this is a last dance scenario. Otherwise... Nylander's gone, which I think he should be already. We'll see what you do with Mitch Marner. Um, I keep hearing people in Toronto media say Austin Matthews and the Leafs already have a deal in place for an extension, but they haven't announced anything, which I find very strange. Mm -hmm. So where does that stay? If the Leafs don't win next year, where does Austin Matthews – what happens with Matthews? That's the question, not Nylander. Because until I see the words Austin Matthews and Maple Leaf sign extension, I'm going to have that thought running through my mind. By the way, because it's very similar to the current Maple Leaf captain, John Tavares' situation with the Islanders. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. And so it, it, everyone, everyone can say, oh, I heard that. It's done. And they're just not announcing it yet. I mean, I heard the same thing about, you know, and, and again, I mean, you know, I'm not, it is what it is. When it gets announced, it gets announced. But I heard the same thing about Rasmus Dahlin re-signing with the Sabres. Oh, in July it'll get announced. It's August 12th. I have yet to see Dahlin has re-signed with the Sabres. Not saying it won't happen. I do expect them to get a deal done. But until it's announced, I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just lets, there's no reason why you can't announce it now. Get it done, or don't. <laughs> it is what it is. But you're already you know, over the cap as it is if you're, you're in the Leafs. So yeah. So you know we'll and we'll see. And like I'm mean, like I said, I mean Martin Jones, he's not going to be the starting goalie over there. It's going to be Samsonov's job. I mean, unless Samsonov completely just collapses in net, you know, with how with his play and everything like that. But. But yeah, so we'll see what happens there uh, with the golden situation in Toronto and just their entire situation in general. As uh, you know, new management has taken over with uh, Tree Living. Had an interesting offseason for sure. But um, but that will do it for this episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast. Um, we're so glad that you listened. And like I said, it's been a little while since we did one of these, so. Uh, Shake off the rust a little bit, just as the players will eventually be doing in training camp uh, very soon. Very excited for hockey to be back, but um, we have a little bit 
ways to go. But Mike, for those who want to uh, follow us at the Breakaway Bandits podcast and the Sports Insanity Network, how can they do so? Well, first off, you can listen to this podcast, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the website, www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com. Logs, logs, planes, trains, and automobiles. You can follow us on the socials. It is still Twitter. It is not X Elon Musk. If, if you call if you call it X, unironically, you're a douche. If you call it X, it really doesn't mark the spot. <laughs> but you can follow us on on Twitter at SIM Breakaway for the podcast. At S Insanity Real is the Twitter handle. We're also on the Facebook at Sports Insanity Network, at Sports Insanity Network's Breakaway Band. So you follow us. Let us know. You want to hear stuff, and, you know, we, we, we'll go through it. We go, we're trying, man. We're trying. Yes, we are. So on behalf of Mike Rifkin and Noah Tremblay, I'm Nathan Moser. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast. We will catch you again real soon.